Three, two, one. I can't believe you're listening to Sardonicast. I cannot believe you're listening to Sardonicast. How could you have done this? How could you have listened to Sardonicast? Hi, I'm Adam from Your Movie Sucks, and this is Sardonicast. And that was a lovely quote from the uh, masterpiece film known as Fateful Findings, one of my favorite movies ever. Neil Breen. <laughs> by Neil Breen. Yeah. I'm Ralph from Ralph the Movie Maker. YouTube.com says Ralph the Movie Maker. Oh, you said both. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Not sure how I feel about that one, Ralph. I'm Alex from IHE. <laughs> How are we doing today, folks? I'm ah. good. How are you? I'm all right. So we're two thirds through 2020. I know. Yeah. It's disgusting. It makes me want to vomit. Where's oh, this you... year gone? Because I, I don't mind. Because I, I want this year to be over quicker. I like oh, that right. it's going I, by Yeah, quickly. I guess. I guess. I'm very conflicted on it. At the same time, I'm kind of... Um, I, I, I want to be forming new memories, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm just kind of doing the same thing over and over, which is why it's going by so quickly. However, this past month, I've been doing like the uh, online film festival thing, which has actually made things go oh, by yeah. slower, but in a good way. Yeah. been seeing lots of festival movies through the internet, and I've got uh, press for Fantasia, which just finished, and I got press for TIFF, Toronto Film Festival, and I'm working on getting press accreditation for Vancouver. So... Lucky to be in Canada nice. because a lot of the good film festivals are here all in a row, too. Just sucks that I couldn't have done Can, I guess, but whatever. Maybe when everything isn't ruined. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a lot A lot <laughs> of these things are um, because of the online component, because, you know, people are worried about these films being recorded and torrented. Uh, a lot of the distributors will ask for um, certain restrictions to take place like limited ticket sales or geo locking for for these films so i'm just lucky that i live in canada for these things because a lot of these aren't available to people outside canada which sucks because i was hoping to maybe see what the uh, london film fest was doing but that's probably going to be geo locked too whatever i can't really blame them yeah i know exactly i'm happy i'm getting anything really yeah exactly i was looking into con but yeah. That didn't work out. So yeah, I'm I know. Gonna, I'm going to not say anything and hold my breath and just wait <laughs> maybe next year. <laughs> yeah. If the if the festivals are even open. Yeah, exactly. Can can is so mm-hmm. early that in the year that I'm not I'm not exactly ex- expecting it to happen again next no, year. No, I'm not either. Um mm-hmm. TIFF is actually this year still doing some in-person screenings. It's very limited, mm-hmm. um oh. but they're actually still doing a physical festival with the addition of some drive-ins but yeah mostly just like extremely reduced capacity and reduced shows and blah 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 but yeah i'm surprised about that so we'll see what happens next year Hmm. anyway we all saw a film from what year the 70s 80s 81 it was filmed in the 70s this is a classic that uh the first one of us to cover was ralph (laughs) It's a cult classic. Yeah. A cult classic is a I guess classic. It's a cult classic. Yeah. Ralph yeah. recommended this a while back. I had heard of it Ralph before. Ralph recommends but... yeah, a long yeah. time ago. <laughs> uh, why, don't, why don't you give the little synopsis here, Ralph? Me? Yeah. Oh, I thought you would, Alex, because you just saw it. But oh, um, it's really a movie matter. about this guy named Neil Marshall, uh, and he lives with his family in a nature preserve with a bunch of lions. And it's like 150 real lions, I think, or and tigers and like uh panthers and it's just them living with them untrained <laughs> they try to have like a story they have a script but usually the the lions mess up the scene and it's just like they get attacked or 
they, they run around this, the the house like eating a zebra carcass. It's kind of sick, but also <laughs> kind of funny. <laughs> Um, it's insane. I, I, I think it's I, yeah. It's actually insane to watch. Yeah. Yeah, it's mental. I I was surprised that it's listed as a comedy, like an IMDb, and I guess mm-hmm. in in a, in a sick, twisted way, it kind of is. But I think like the intentional attempts at comedy are oh, yeah. very flat. Like it, it's such a strange experience because I I thought this movie was like a documentary or something before going in because mm. I'd watched Ralph's video when he first released it, but I'd forgotten um, when I sat down to watch it. Um, and I found it on YouTube, actually. I, I was really struggling to get, like, a, a good copy of it. Oh, I just found the full thing on YouTube. So if anyone wants to see it, check it out on there. Um, but, yeah, it is a, a a wacky movie where I think most of the intrigue lies behind the story behind the production, more so than the actual kind of, like, narrative, if you mm-hmm. can even use that word. It's more just <laughs> just the insane... Like, I've never seen, a, like, a skateboarding lion before and I say I have. <laughs> yeah. It it's pretty intense the movie. There's like a lot of really scary situations he puts his family in. Like I I don't know. Yeah. It's, yeah, the, the dickheads were doing it. That's what I yeah. thought immediately cuz like my my first thought was like wait if you know anything about like if you've seen any documentaries about lions, you know the way like lions behave in the way their kind of packs work and they just mm-hmm. have low, like tens of male lions all like in the same space and they're a dominant animal mm-hmm. so of course they're clashing constantly and they kind of say that no animals were harmed in the making of the movie but I don't know if that's totally accurate if you're like mm. being honest about the situation. You see a lot of movies <laughs> that say that and the, the definition exactly. of that is really debatable <laughs> depending yeah. on the person but uh <laughs> Yeah, there was a scene, the scene where they were like, uh, where they imitated them getting shot and falling over. So I watched all the special mm. features. And for mm-hmm. that, um, apparently, like there were, you know, to do checkups on them, uh, or to like give them shots or whatever, whatever medical reasons, uh, they would need to, uh, I guess, apply some sort of, what's the word, tranquilizer to, to the animals. Mm-hmm. And so they would give them a shot. But on this day when they were filming this thing, instead of just, like, giving them a shot, they gave him a shot and then waited a couple seconds and then just gave him a little push <laughs> off the fucking cliff. Oh, I wonder how I they mean, did this. I mean, it was like, it was like dirt. I don't know. It, like, it's probably a bad idea because they're falling uncontrolled. But I guess when they say no animals were harmed, they mean, well, they fell, but it, they didn't break anything. <laughs> yeah. That's probably what they mean. But... Noel Marshall is like running in between them. Noel Marshall's his name. Yeah, I think yeah. Like you Neil said Marshall Neil Marshall before. before, which is the director of uh, the new Hellboy, yeah, yeah. and also the Descent. Yeah. Uh, yes. So Noel Marshall, but he's like running in between the the lions, and he gets bit at one point, and it was really bad. And he was trying to get like close ups of his hand bleeding with like a hole in it. Yeah. It's like the guy was actually mm. nuts um, making this movie. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. No health and safety standards. There's just no. this film could not exist in any other time aside from that kind of stint in the 70s when it was yeah. shot. This is it, it took like boyhood length of time to make, didn't it? Yeah. It's like a decade's worth. Yeah. Of it took a while. Basically, the the start of this was that they were adopting uh, rescue lions and mm. tigers and whatever. So the Noel Marshall um, and Tippi Hedren were married at the time, and they're two kids their kids were the kids in the movie so they literally just filmed their family and these kids Mm -hmm. and this family had actually spent the last like almost decade 
living with these big cats anyway. So they were already used to it in a climate like these kids grew up in this environment, which is a terrible idea, even if you're not filming a movie, which is a really fucking stupid <laughs> yeah. idea to just have your kids like growing up with these wild animals, obviously, and they're untrained. And so they just basically like improvised the whole fucking movie. They had like this <laughs> this vague idea mm. of a script and things that they wanted to get yeah. done. But really, they just like they took the plot of each scene or I guess the conclusion of each scene just wherever the animals took them. So like if they got bit, they just were like, "Okay, I guess that's a part of it. I, my character got bit now." <laughs> or like they sank the <laughs> boat. There were like three or four boats mm-hmm. that just got fucking t- yeah. Destroyed. They would try to have dialogue, and then the boat would just <laughs> in the middle you know, of capsize. a <laughs> An elephant attacks on. them at one point, and they're yeah. just like running away. It, yeah. yeah, but those parts are funny, even though it's like oh, it's hilarious. You know, people are getting hurt. Yeah. It's, it's it's so bizarre. It's just so bizarre to watch. It's almost in the same vein as like cringe humor for me because I'm getting like a really visceral, yeah, emotional reaction from this. It yeah, is top notch. Visceral. It is very intense, and I think that like you know I don't know how much of a comedy that they were playing this off as. Maybe they thought the whole thing was just fucking hilarious. Like haha, this family's about uh-huh. to get eaten. Maybe you know it's not going to happen because it's a movie. But even though it's like literally happening in real life. <laughs> Um, and uh yeah. i mean if they were going for fear or thriller aspects i would say that that was done successfully i'm glued to the edge of my seat yeah. the whole time watching this fucking movie you're terrified more for the actors than the, yeah. the characters in the scene i mean it's, it's one of the same the you know yeah it seems very yeah. real their reactions like when they're being mm-hmm. attacked or Except when that she's one like kid. getting bit by the lion she's yelling like mom mom get this off of me the one son with the black hair, even I could not buy his reaction, even though it was actually happening for him. I guess he got too used to the lions, <laughs> but like he he was not a good actor. I mean, it's just like the director's family, right? So I mean, Tippi Hedren's an actress, yeah. obviously. Yeah, but. but in that that chaos of the movie, it really highlights. So I found it highlights the the intelligence of the animals. You have incredible scenes like where he's kind of communicating with that one lying in the hallway. And it, it goes on for like minutes, just, just kind of talking to the animal and showing off just everything that they're capable of, of maybe in a unfair situation. But like they've shot it, we might as well enjoy what they did from the mm-hmm. event, you know, and yeah. still ad- address like the the, the moral <laughs> uh, implications of it. But it, you're just not going to see anything else like this. I've never seen a film quite like this before. Yeah. It's just so unique. One of a kind. And, yeah, so I think you know, the point of it's supposed to be like a pro environmental, mm-hmm. pro nature. Yeah. yeah, like animals are beautiful and everything like that. Yeah, at the Whatever end, there's like these, these songs. Get. Yeah, there's like these songs he sings, like nature is great. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's just it's really yeah. corny, but it's really funny. <laughs> and you know, it's mixed in with these horrifying scenes. But that's that, I guess that's just the way lines are. You know, you can't really tell them what to do. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Because, I mean, like, they obviously have a love for these animals because they, like, save, rescued, quote-unquote, and then raised yeah. them, right? So Well, there was a storm at some point during the production. Oh, yeah. I think that delayed, that delayed it, too, and mm. some of the animals got killed from that, you know? So that's horrible. There were all these things that just kept going wrong. <laughs> and on a movie I don't like know this what they did yeah <laughs> i don't know if what they wrong? did like if they did more harm than good you know with oh, all yeah. this stuff i guess we forgot to mention but i guess they did save the animals so yeah. i guess something good came out of it 
Something we forgot to mention is that the estimated amount of uh, cast and crew members that were injured on set is over 70. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot. The cinematographer mm, yeah. got scalped. Yeah. <laughs> he, there's like a photo of his scalp like just hanging off his head online. Yeah. And somehow yeah. nobody died. Somehow. somehow, yeah. Yeah, I thought this was going to be like a grizzly man type thing where it was about someone who lost it at the end, but <laughs> it's, it's just one step off, like, snuff. It's not quite there. Yeah. Yeah, then it could, I mean, like, if that were the case, then it would be a documentary being made about this film that never got released yeah. sort of yeah. thing. Right. What makes what makes this not a snuff movie? Like, because it could easily be seen as that or be seen as cruel, but why is it like a comedic thing like why do we probably because it? the characters because fucking intense? suck so much probably because <laughs> they like they f hide in a barrel and fall into the water like 30 fucking times it's the same fucking slapstick three stooges bullshit yeah. the entire movie yeah. just with real lions mm -hmm. it's so funny how bad they suck it's like oh come on like yeah. they're so stupid every single character is just a complete yeah, i couldn't ass. figure out what their goals were like <laughs> they escape them around and they just go and sleep in a cabin like yeah. right next to them and then it's they like they were break larping in, in the night Ooh, yeah. yeah i'm falling again oh no it's like kids on a playground but with real lions <laughs> it's so bizarre i i really wasn't expecting that element of the film to be the entire movie even after watching ralph's video i was like oh okay so like i i know about this movie there's a bunch of untrained big cats and people are running around with them and they almost die i assumed that would be like 30 minutes of the film but it's the whole movie really it's like a bit yeah. of an intro mm -hmm. and the yeah, entire stuff, movie is them running around wrong. with fucking big cats almost dying for like an hour and a half or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> an just hour and 40 game, minutes. Yeah, seemingly almost dying. But I can't really tell like what's scripted and what isn't. Like where fiction ends and where mm -hmm. like the, the real stuff starts. And that's what makes it so interesting. Almost like it is a documentary. Yeah. It is kind of groundbreaking like that. No other movie like it. It's, it's one of those things where I highly doubt that this film knew what it was going to be. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't trying right. to be this. It's kind of unintentional. Yeah. What was their end goal? Just for it to be a kind of a naturalist piece? Yeah. As long as it's kind of pro-nature, you know, as long as that message gets across, which I guess it does with the music and, and the comedy. I don't know how you that. could miss it, to be honest. The, yeah. There's, there's like lots of nice scenes with lions, too. You know, they're just kind of running around in like yeah, a habitat. Like yeah. You're like, oh, that's nice. I think that Noel Marshall and Tippi Hedren are just fucking psychopaths that love these animals Maybe. so much. And they decided, mm. well, you know, we're movie people. Why don't we make a movie about this crazy <laughs> life we're already living? <laughs> we have this crazy yeah. resource of all these animals that nobody else has. We could make this crazy, unique movie because we, uh -huh. you know, we've already lived with them. These are, you know, we got them for free right now. We don't have to pay I'm to get a bunch of uh, animals like, in. Grizzly Man, too. Like, Grizzly Man is a... That guy reminds me of Noel Marshall. Yeah. And I, and yeah. I wonder if he's seen this and, like, was inspired by it or something. <laughs> and I, It's like that same kind of mindset. Like, so in mm -hmm. love with nature, and I'm going to film myself with nature for, I guess, educational, like, pro-environmental purposes, spread a good message. Yeah. But it's, it's dangerous to do this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. They're, like, guising the kind of mental problems by yeah exactly to these animals. it's like an outlet even if you feel like you can properly communicate with a species of animal that doesn't really matter because i feel like i can properly communicate with human beings but one in every however many human beings are complete fucking assholes 
right? You don't think mm-hmm. that's the same for animals, even if you think that you can like properly communicate with them, like you know how they behave. That's like in general, all it takes is one bad apple. All it takes is one that just like f- fucking sucks to ruin your day or your yeah, life. Which is what happened with grizzly man, wasn't it? Just one rogue bear that he didn't really like anyway. I was really hungry. Oops. Terrifying. Yeah. So this is what like movie producers get up to in their spare time then. They just make these big cat These psychos, yeah. These crazies. <laughs> that was their life. What is the link with that? There's a few... It was a producer on a couple of projects, The Exorcist being the, the biggest one of note, mm-hmm. obviously. But I suppose that's where he got some of those initial funds for. Because yeah, that's part I guess of he was it too. Like, just the amount of food required to feed all these cats and take care of them to some some kind of standard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wasn't... I don't know what their financial situation was before they started this project, but they like basically went broke doing it is what I saw from the special features. Basically, anyway. Yeah. So it's yeah. not like they were just fucking loaded billionaires or whatever. I don't know. Maybe they were exaggerating. They had money. They basically wasted all of it on this. Yeah. I mean, this, this sucked up all their money Yeah, between the, the production and all of the animals and feeding them <laughs> and the habitat taking care of it, you know, you had to feed all these lions too. Imagine yeah. feeding 150 lions. Like, yeah, I think I read it was like lion. four grand a week or <laughs> yeah. something back then. That would have been in the 70s too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn it. That's nuts. Oh my God. It's like, it, this is like better than Tiger King, in my opinion. Yeah, I was I just about to ask. So, what's that Tiger King thing? Because that's kind of popped up and it reminded me. Right, um, yeah. I didn't see Tiger King. Yeah, I, saw I saw maybe 20 minutes of it. Yeah. So is that similar? Like, what what's the story of that? Well, it involves another crazy man who loves big uh-huh. cats, although he's uh, basically just got them in a, on an American uh, like reserve or whatever you want to call it. It's basically like a zoo he has, um, and I forget mm-hmm. which state. And the reason why that documentary is so successful is because it came out on Netflix right when everybody started getting locked in, <laughs> locked down for covid so everybody mm. saw okay. it right yeah um but also it's a pretty good like character thing it's a good good character yeah. series these characters are really really wacky and it's like oh wow they did this and that you know some of the parts are quotable it's it's kind of silly and it's fun but i would watch roar yeah. again sooner i feel like i got everything i could have mm. out of tiger king mm-hmm. i don't know if i'll roar is also shorter yeah uh, tiger king yeah. is a bit of a commitment but there's nothing yeah. insane in that documentary like this like you're not fearing for anyone's life uh yeah throughout the, the entire cats thing. are more of a focus in raw whereas the yeah. people are more of a focus in tiger king yeah exactly part of the reason why uh it's so clear that so much of <laughs> what we experience from this movie is just unintentional is just how bad a lot of the other aspects are like some of the dialogue is really troll two level some of it's so yeah, bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Look what the cat dragged in. And the like inconsistent audio, the editing yeah. and color and lighting changes. The, the that just like, yeah. what? Just like sometimes the audio just cuts out like abruptly, just immediately. The actors usually seem afraid um, of the cats, which is understandable. But, yeah. you know, that's like their, that's the one emotion they have for the entire movie. Very bad editing and like just this, there's barely any story. It's literally just like, Ah, well, I'm over here with some lions. My family wants to come over too. Oh, it looks like they showed up and I wasn't there when they showed up because I'm a fucking asshole. And now they're there without (laughs) me. And now I'm going to go back there and now it's okay because they're like, oh, 
these things didn't want to kill us. They just wanted to be friends. Yay. <laughs> it's like all they did was change their perspective. Which is such a bad message. And everything's like better. They like destroyed everything. They destroyed the entire fucking <laughs> reserve or house or whatever. Everything's like trashed. Like there's characters that are dead. Those two bad guys that wanted to kill one of them. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> I mean. Oh yeah, that whole subplot yeah. was like so rushed. It's weird. <laughs> those characters the one bad lion who was a jerk i forget the yeah name. the bad lion oh mm -hmm. yeah he had a black mane which they obviously mm -hmm. ripped off of kimba but yeah i didn't realize like that lions could look like scar in real life i thought that was just a disney movie thing. yeah apparently um apparently the more testosterone filled dominant lions have darker manes that's like one of the signals oh, really? for yeah mm -hmm. Oh. They're like leaders, more aggressive sort of thing, or just like yeah, they are bigger jerks. Animals. Did you like the elephant scene? Was the elephant the scene, elephant scene was, was great? One of the highlights. So it was a great yeah, like awesome. change up. Yeah, it's fucking because you think it's gonna be friendly, but then it like destroys the <laughs> yeah. boat. Like, yeah, everything's yeah. out to kill them. It's like I don't know what did they. There's like a lot learn? of different animals. Like was this. the elephant trying yeah, to be yeah, their I friend too? Like what the fuck? It destroyed their boat. Like they, I don't really know what the moral of this film is. <laughs> like the message by the end of it, it's so bizarre. Yeah, because they're like, don't be scared of big cats, is what they say. Like as you just said, like, well, they didn't want to eat us after all. So yeah. it's the message, like, they're cool. So go out and get your tiger today, Josh. Yeah, I yeah, just don't recommend people go get tigers. Like, yeah, it's a bad yeah, idea. You yeah. can get a cat or a dog. Yeah, a parrot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for for movies too. Like you know, a dog could be in a movie. Like yeah. dogs are good actors, right? Airbud and Beethoven, yeah. like that Aladdin movie. They should have gotten a real parrot yeah. instead of a CGI parrot and a real monkey. Yeah, a monkey. What about that? Like, I think uh, I don't know the the whole monkey thing. I don't know if it's cruel or not to make the monkeys actors, but like the Hangover Two had a really good monkey actor. Oh yeah. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I don't know monkey like uh, union. Rules but we are monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think the Indiana Jones monkey was treated right? Yeah, I wonder. Is that was that one CGI in the fourth uh, one? The no, ones I was that about are in with the, uh, in the first one. Oh, that gets okay. Yeah, I thought you meant the fourth one. That the scene with Shia LaBeouf when he's oh, like I, on I the did. vines. I yeah. I yeah, that monkeys from I'm, I'm sure the monkeys will unionize <laughs> well, at some I point. It back. <laughs> I hope so. Mm. All right. Uh, what would you? I think we're done talking about this crazy fucking movie everybody should go see <laughs> it it's absolutely insane it's, it's pretty yeah. interesting it's nuts yeah i've seen it many times in my life because it's so like interesting yeah i watched and it for the first documentaries about like it too ago. there's like there's like documentaries about it those i watch more too because mm -hmm. you know you get the background of the guy and everything i gave it five stars so i'll stick with that awesome okay. i'm giving this one a eight out of ten it's absolutely insane uh and even though <laughs> My enjoyment from it is probably unintentional from the film. It's still very unique, very visceral. Emotions are just wild throughout the film. It's a very unique experience. Yeah, I'm a little bit lower than you guys. I'd give this about a seven, I think, for me. But I, I, I do appreciate the experience. It's a very unique one, as as we've already said, and that is the value from it. I, I would recommend watching it maybe with a person or two so because i found the fun to be kind of reading about it while watching it cringing at it with them and sharing like just the craziness of everything that's happening mm -hmm. but yeah i would recommend it, especially with it being on youtube 
and yeah, just it's just on YouTube guess. for free, like high quality. Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. I just searched yeah. the the movie on, <laughs> on YouTube because that's yeah, I've been starting yeah. to do that now because they're just popping up more and more, like just full movies. I think um even the good, the bad, and the ugly, and that lot was on YouTube, <laughs> and people on Reddit oh, were sharing it. That's good, very nice. I had to find a copy of it, you know, like I had to get it on Blu-ray. I got the Blu-ray. I couldn't find it online. I had a hard time like finding yeah, it. Yeah, there are certain movies that are just a real pain, especially in the UK, mm-hmm. to find any form of. So I was glad to see that. Oops. Yeah. That's why I wonder all the legality of this stuff. And, oh, I know. Because yeah. it yeah. should be readily available. Well, yeah, I want if it was just it on was iTunes also a and huge I could pay bomb. for it, I'd love to. <laughs> yeah, there's that yeah. too. Like, it bombed when it came out. I think it cost like $20 million or something close to that, and it made like $2 million. So oh, <laughs> yeah. my producers were really, they were they didn't even know how to market it. They're like, what is this? Do yeah. we market it as a comedy? What the fuck is this movie? <laughs> like, it's, it's just, it's 90 minutes of people getting attacked by lions. Yeah, <laughs> the, 20, the 2015 re-release trailer was like basically capitalizing off the controversy. It was like, this is how many crew yeah. members got injured was the trailer for the <laughs> 2015 re-release. It's like, okay, we, we know what the movie is now. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even quite sure what to make of it though. But that's what makes it interesting. Yeah, that's why it's great. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely worth a watch. Yeah. All right. All right. I guess we're moving on to the uh, film recommendation um, from Alex. It it's a spoiler discussion. Um, yeah, so spoilers for The Guest. Um, 2014 movie uh, by uh, Adam's favorite director, Adam Wingard. There's no good director named Adam. <laughs> Uh, written by Simon Barrett, they t- they tend to work together as a team on a lot of projects, uh, like VHS, Your Next, uh, VHS Two. But the guest is a a story simply about a guest who shows up who uh, claims to be linked to the uh, a recent like military loss. Um, he says he was he knows him and fought with him, so of course they accept him into the home and try to get to know him a bit. But things start happening, and he isn't quite. He doesn't turn out to be quite what he seems. And it's sort Ooh. of a, I guess, an homage to 80s kind of John Carpenter type yeah. movies, a bit of a horror thriller type stuff. It's, it's, it's very much trying to go for what your next was doing with the home invasion movie to try and be a bit more of a clever example of one of those kind of movies. And unfortunately, I, I had this rated as a seven originally. I watched it in 2014. I haven't seen it mm-hmm. since. And I I didn't nearly enjoy it as much. I, I didn't oh. find it to be... Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed myself. I was hoping I would enjoy it more, <laughs> if, if anything. Um, but I found it to just be okay. Just kind of okay, mediocre. I was wishing that I could have seen this kind of premise in the hands of someone with a bit more personality and character. You know, I, I really think that this yeah. 80s thing... Yeah, could have been explored with a bit more. I had a, vision. I had a very similar reaction. Oh wow, really, <laughs> Alex? Yeah, so we've all been. I did too, but I, I still liked the movie. I still liked it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Adam's evil laughing. Yeah, I never got annoyed but with I, it. I I'd like say, it. yeah, and I noticed the John Carpenter like the font is like very obvious, and there's like some shots that are like I've seen in other movies. Yeah, the the references aren't. They're a little on the nose. They're, they're like, they, maybe I didn't notice them when I first saw it, but now it's kind of. Um, it feels a little unoriginal, I guess. 2014 was like peak 80s jerk-off. 
Well, it was like right yeah. in that time, uh, everything was Drive like was 80s. 2011, and then everybody copied it. Yeah, because I, I remember listening to loads of that synthwave stuff around that time and being mm-hmm. really into it. So it's probably why I was that's quite into this movie. A big reason why it was so well received at the time. Or, like, I know there's a lot of people that still yeah. love it regardless, I but do you think so. that that's a part of your enjoyment? Yeah, the soundtrack choice is definitely really good in yeah. the movie. I'm not going to take that away from it. I, I enjoyed the music. I the like movie. the soundtrack choice, but I'm yeah. just confused as to, like, the, the film doesn't really have much personality beyond it just being an homage to the 80s, where I feel like something like It Follows, which is going for something much very better. similar, but is a, yeah, yeah, much better, more original um, taking the horror genre in a much more kind of creative way. Yeah. So I, I, my experience with this film is like with this, both this and your next, like I don't really feel much of the homage or some might say satirical elements of the film at all. And so I wound up actually like before this discussion between me watching it, um, most recently in this discussion, I wound up actually looking at the red letter media video where mm. Jay interviews the writer and so I oh, yeah. like my I goal watching it, yeah. that is like I, I want to see the writer talk about the homage or satirical elements. My initial goal was to get like a copy of the DVD or Blu-ray, but like they were just so hard to find they wouldn't show up in time because mm. there's a director's commentary on that, which I would have loved to have heard from actually Adam Wingard. But yeah, I mean, like they the homage elements are there. Apparently, Adam Wingard wanted to make uh, a film that was like terminator meets halloween 3 like that was his initial idea and then the writer wanted to make some sort of like post-war drama and then they just kind of combined the two ideas together when watching a film like this like i would much rather have an homage that is a stylistic homage and the writer made it clear in this red letter media video that they don't like doing those things and so when i think of like good slasher homage kind of things or like horror homage kind of things I'm not thinking of your next. I'm thinking of something more along the lines of, uh, I don't know, House of the Devil or something, where it's like a clear stylistic choice along with the plot. Because if it's just the plot, to me, it's like, it's difficult to separate that from just like any other dumb horror movie. So like, if you're making an homage to a generation of horror films where things were more stupid and you just make a stupid movie and call it an homage. That's what it feels like to me. It that's what that's genuinely what it feels like. And I I know it's like, yeah, there's synthwave. Yeah, you have the font choice at the beginning. They also did that in fucking Strangers Pray at Night. It seemed like an afterthought. It seemed like they literally <laughs> just threw that into the fucking movie because it was popular at the time. Mm-hmm. Like I don't see mm-hmm. how I should be praising either of these two Adam Wingard films for being homages any more than I should be praising like the 2010 Frozen Ski Lift movie for being an homage to other horror movies. It's like, yeah, it's a fucking dumb horror movie. They're stuck in one spot and they're going to die. Like, I just well, don't get that much a, from it. A better homage than like Frozen. <laughs> yeah. I do think it's a good homage to those kinds of movies in some ways. And I, I did like I- enjoy it. Um, I think Dan Stevens is really good in it also. I think that's kind of yeah, what he carries ties the whole thing together. I, yeah. Everybody says that and I have to disagree so hard. I could not stand <laughs> It's a very character. goofy uh, film and I, I enjoyed his like over the yeah. top performance and I really enjoyed character. him at first and enjoyed following him and then that he becomes the villain kind of halfway through. This is what confuses me so badly is because uh-huh. like I, I'm struggling to understand which elements of this film 
are taken seriously and which ones are for comedy because apparently <laughs> parts well, are supposed to be for comedy. Well, let me tell you, my first experience watching this movie was watching it on TV. Like, you know, it was just, I was like, oh, let's, let's watch this movie on VOD. And I kind of watched it as like a like a crappy action movie you'd watch on VOD, mm-hmm. like in that yeah. context. But it had like all these cool moments and homages and soundtrack choices. And I enjoyed Dan Stevens' performance and Micah Monroe too, who's also in It Follows. I thought she was good. So yeah. I did like, I was invested in what was going on. Um, it was just, there were some characters I thought that were kind of one dimensional. It should have been fleshed out more like the, the son or the parents that probably would have added more. And maybe the post-war kind of element should have been fleshed out more too, to make it actually like dramatic and like uh, resonant in some way. Yeah. But it really just kind of feels like an afterthought halfway through. They're just like, they abandon it and becomes like a stupid, like a spy, like uh, he escaped from a facility and he just starts shooting everyone. (laughs) So I don't even know why that was really an element in the movie. If, If I were to try and guess which elements of the film are supposed to be played for laughs and which aren't, I would be completely wrong. And that's what I discovered when I was watching through that Red Letter Media interview is like, he's talking about like, when the mom gets stabbed in the kitchen, he's like, yeah, that's funny. We both thought that was funny. The writer and the director. I was like, what? That's supposed to be played for left. And then he's talking yeah, about Dan Stevens's yeah, character that. saying that he's like, oh, yeah, well, we needed to have a justification for why the family would invite him in. That was the toughest hurdle of the script. And so we have this character that's really charming and believable and stuff like that. I'm just like, he's not charming at all. Like every single thing that this character is doing, he does. He's basically an inch short of just winking at the fucking camera. Funny game style. The entire fucking movie. I'm like, this isn't charming. He's a creep the entire movie. He's just sitting with this kid (laughs) doing his homework. He's not even really fucking helping. Just like fucking... Like on the floor doing the nothing. Just like movie, it's so he's bizarre a, and he's the stupid. Most I can't man. take it seriously, and I don't know what I'm supposed to take seriously. The 16 year old kid acted like he acted like a 10 year old, just like how lame yeah. he was, and how Dan Stevens kind of had yeah. to hold his hand, like, <laughs> oh, this this is a knife. Like, look at how he used it. Whoa, like, it was so he's dumb, such that a character. cool yeah. guy. He has a knife and he used it to cut open a pumpkin. It's a cool knife. This guy's but in cool. the world of this movie, where uh. every character is like that, basically, except Mika Monroe, like, that, that works fine. I thought he was the most charming character in the whole thing. Like, he enters the bar and he orders the like the shot and splashes it in the guy's I face. Can't stand it the entire time the film is insisting on how cool he is and that just makes him so fucking <laughs> lame to me at no point do i think that this character is cool because they're yeah. constantly fucking it's trying really it. hard yeah like i ordered mm-hmm. the spicy even with drink. like the music cues and everything there's a point where he's like uh he kind of does a fake out on a guy where he's trying to scare him but he's like oh i'm just fucking with you man but the music at that point's like Duh. like there's this like building suspense it's like mm-hmm. telling you how to so feel obvious we're in like the same scene in goodfellas so joe pesci just trying to be intimidating they don't put music at all and it's much better yeah it's so it's so obnoxious and obvious there's nothing really mm-hmm. subtle about the movie it's just confusing for me yeah. to watch and like this is just an example of something where if you get it, you get it. And if you don't get it, you don't. Because I don't know. I, I'm struggling <laughs> to understand just like how I'm supposed to okay. feel differently about this movie than any other just like shitty, dumb thriller, horror movie or whatever genre you want to call it. Because I feel like I've seen other things like this that are just as stupid that people don't like nearly as much. And I don't understand why this one out of all of them is supposed to be like separated into this. Well, it's actually a good movie sort of thing. I really don't get it. I guess because he was 
praised for the self-awareness type angle since you're next, even though it's not that clear. Like, the, yeah, the, I really exactly. don't like the ending, especially of um, the guest with, you know, it ends just like that, that movie about the blind guy that came out fairly recently. It has like the same like horror movie cliche ending, but it's, uh, is it supposed to be a spin on it with her? Like saying what the, it's like the same ending. They just made an eighties movie basically yeah. without incorporating exactly. more modern you know, advancements in storytelling. I kept thinking about The World's End by uh, Edgar Wright, which is kind of channeling the same, like it's an ode to old science fiction type cinema and that kind of thing. But at the same time, there's a new cast of characters. There are surprises along the way you're not really expecting. I think it's just like, it's just lacking any any depth beyond the concept. That I don't care about any of the characters really. I completely mm-hmm. agree. Yeah, it is just about, this is an 80s movie. We've just made an 80s movie. Yeah. And here you go. Exactly. Yeah. But like a lot of these 80s, like he didn't make something the same caliber as the Terminator. Like, no, he, no, he, no, he, no, yeah, <laughs> like if, if you're not going to make something like as good, then like, I think, I think that there's a big difference for me between the word homage and the word satire. And I'm comfortable with people using the word homage to describe this film. I don't know why anyone would use the word satire to describe this film because satire implies like a much clearer level of like criticism towards the genre rather than just mm-hmm. doing it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's more of an homage or just copying it. <laughs> yeah. If you want to call he it just, that. Like he just did some 80s movies and people were like, we haven't seen those in a while. This is great. Well, because it, Without comes, any it style. seems like he understands these movies. Like, I get a sense that he's actually watched them and enjoys them genuinely. Mm-hmm. And I like that the story actually takes turns that I wasn't expecting, like Dan Stevens becoming the villain and whatever. I think that was supposed to be their, like, fresh take on it, their justification for this movie existing. That was a turn? That was a twist? I thought so. Well, it's a it was slow like, so twist. Fucking obvious it's from the slow. Beginning. Like at first, when he comes in, he's like a really likable character, and he has that nice scene. He's with the not, mom. and the music implies otherwise. The music I thought heavily he was very implies charming. that well, he's these, like okay. There's there's always this under the movie's called the guest, and yeah. it's a horror movie, okay. so there's always this underlying like yeah, he's obviously suspicious, he's, yeah. he's gonna yeah he's suspicious, but at first he's very unsuspecting, which is why like later I thought the scene where he kills the mom was supposed to be like sad, like that scene was shocking, and yet the director so, and writers yeah, and are shocking. saying that they found it funny, yeah, so it's yeah. like what the fuck that's, is going on? That's the confusing part because like the, the scene they have was very like funny? emotional. It was like very personal. I know, right? Like, that's oh, why I'm so confused. Yeah. Because, like, that to and me is like, how, how is that? Is that supposed to be for less? Yeah. Apparently. What? It's like the, the direction is so clear and ter- unclear in terms of, like, what mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be getting from it. And, like, yeah, I guess that's just another reason why I wasn't really into it is because I, from the very beginning, I was like, yeah, he's the bad guy. Is it implying something else? Like, I don't know. Like, apparently everybody else got a completely different experience watching it than I did. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just some movies like he his voice Adam Wingard as a filmmaker I do not connect with at all. Uh-huh. Like, it, it, am I supposed to take the the dumb smiling scream scenes from Death Note as satirical? Am I supposed to take the the Final Destination style gore kills in Death Note as like some sort of homage? Like, what's going on? Like, what the, he just makes bad movies. <laughs> like, that's all he is to me. Death yeah. Note gave him a lot of bad attention. I think a lot of his like, I guess tricks you could call it, like the the use of music. Like, music is just plopped onto that Death Note movie. And I think that made me appreciate like the soundtrack in this less, or maybe make me see through it, and like yeah. his like just the references and and all that. 
I still like the movie, though. Yeah. <laughs> do we want to get into some positives of, of this film? We haven't because mentioned that it's you? only $5 million budget. So yeah. it's a very mm-hmm. small-scale production. Basically. That's cool. I yeah. think they do a pretty good job with that money. I, I don't think... Mm-hmm. I think it looks okay. better than, like, a $5 million movie. I, I think, think it's, it's an entertaining movie. It's maybe yeah. shallow, but I think it's entertaining. I like yeah, Stan... I, think... I still like Dan Stevens in a lot. I think he's so awesome in it. Yeah, I just don't feel that. Yeah. It scratches the surface a little bit for me. I, I, uh-huh. When he fully embraces the kind of Terminator-style just execution thing, that was when I was entertained by the character. Like, when he's buying the guns, it's so stupid and over the top. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of funny to me. And uh-huh. that did feel like a genuine, like, that was just taken straight out of the 80s kind of scene. And I get the appeal of that kind of thing, but I'm just not really after that anymore. I'm looking for a bit more oomph to the stories mm-hmm. I want to ingest. Definitely. Yeah, it's just a, if you feel it, you feel it. If you don't feel it, you don't. I'm I'm just everything that anybody else is entertained by in this film, I am uh, annoyed by. I am frustrated by. Yeah, and I and I totally get it, because it's a little, like, it's just obnoxious sometimes. Yeah. It comes across. Just the acting of the extras sometimes, even. Mm-hmm. Beep. Yeah. Yeah, I hear, like, this <laughs> truck outside. It's okay. Oh God, I hope Do we want to wait? It can't possibly yeah, be backing up forever. Yeah, yeah. He's he's driving by slowly. He's almost gone. Okay. So. Yeah, I don't hear it like anymore. So. Yeah, he's getting fainter. Okay. Yeah, even on a sec on a rewatch, it's not like you pick up little secrets that tease the reveals and stuff. Uh, yeah, so it on that first better. watch, it, it kind of <laughs> yeah it relies on the kind of secrecy of that everything. I'll agree whereas, with, yeah. on a first yeah. watch, it's like the best experience by far. Yeah, yeah, it's really and that's shallow. always kind of a bad sign. If you rewatch uh-huh. a movie right. and you get nothing more out of it than the first time, you know, then it's mm-hmm. it's not the best. Yeah, I was I was just so mad. You know what's actually insane though? As I told you, um, I tried watching it on an airplane and then gave up and didn't finish the movie. Right. I had learned watching it this time that I actually. Sometime between that first watch and now, I had actually seen the entire movie also, but I just completely fucking forgot. Oh. So I, I literally, like, <laughs> as I was watching, I'm like, I've seen all of this. Wow. So I actually, and then like, I had to remember, where? my roommate told me, like, yeah, I watched it with you. I'm like, what the oh, fuck? Okay. Like, I completely forgot that I'd actually seen the entire movie oh. just because I'm so... So you've so, probably seen it the most. I'm so bored and uninvested and frustrated, and it just, it's so nothing to me. That I completely just eradicated the entire experience from my mind. And so this is the third mm. watch. Two and a half, I guess. <laughs> and yeah, it doesn't it doesn't get any better. It doesn't have many great or memorable scenes. And when I think about strong scenes in the movie, I Yeah. The the only part that really stands out in my mind is that kind of last act where all the all the action begins with Lance Henry yeah. showing up. Yeah, just shoot the guy from under the bed, do a worse job at it than Kill Bill, which is also a film that's being an homage. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought the action was Santino, okay. Yeah, I thought it was fine. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was. Yeah, yeah did the job. Yeah, it it had job. some fun blood and gore, but the sound effects were so fucking over the top and distracting, which maybe, I guess you could call an homage, but what's the difference between yeah, that and yeah. any other bad like, movie oh, that he's made that point. isn't an homage, <laughs> right? What's the difference between <laughs> right. that and the bad sound that's, effects in fucking Frozen 2010? Apart. Like, if you're not differentiating mm-hmm. yourself by just being a bad movie and then just say, oh yeah, it's an homage whenever it's something bad happens, like, yeah, 80s horror movies were kind of bad in ways. There were some dumb things. It's an homage, I guess. But it's not a unique concept, though, either. There's, like, Tucker and Dale yeah. versus Evil, which is, that's like, a, a great, comedic take on Yeah, that. that's a great way more clever. Yeah. That one's yeah. awesome. That's per- that's a great movie. I love it. There's, there's mm-hmm. tons of great homage and satire films. I just don't... 
I, I don't see what there is to praise about Adam Wingard's when he's just doing the same thing and that's it. Like you just, if you made a movie in the eighties, then it wouldn't be an homage. You would have made the exact same thing. <laughs> well, it's like an eighties movie with a twenty fourteen skin over it, which kind, kind of, of takes all the personality yeah. out of it. Exactly. The, it doesn't you want have the eighties movie to kind of look like an eighties movie. Yeah, it's very, it's yeah. very flat, like visually in terms of that kind of stuff. It, it, it's just a movie set in twenty fourteen, kind of shot like a basic twenty fourteen looking movie. Yeah. With an with a synth soundtrack. It didn't really make me want to like watch an action movie from the eighties after it. Like after I watched Shaun of the mm. Dead, I feel like watching or Dawn Hot of the Fuzz, Dead yeah. or or something. Yeah, Hot Fuzz. Like you get excited for like that genre. This one, I was just like, I wanted to go to sleep. Yeah, <laughs> I was so tired. I was like, okay, I guess that was fine. And even if we're talking yeah. about the elements like the music, basically, so again, more things I learned from watching this the interview with the writer. Um, basically Adam Winger just had a list of like synthwave songs. He's like, okay, find a way we can use this, find a way we can use this, et cetera, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera. Oh, you play right. this on the radio. It sounds good. <laughs> it's like yeah. Dialogue like that. There's way too many scenes where like music is cut off. So yeah. there's just like, they're, they're playing music and it's just abruptly cut. They do like five times. Some of the even. editing is obnoxious and like, uh -huh. yeah, I guess if you've never seen that type of cut before, it would just be groundbreaking or something. But <laughs> right. yeah, the, the way that the music is used in the film also kind of pissed me off a little because the writer's explaining how the character from the girl from It Follows, uh, whatever her name is, I forget. Um, yeah, she's Michael supposed Monroe, to be seen as this sort of like outcast she wants to leave this small town sort of thing and the writer was saying that the music that she listens to in this synthwave genre is supposed to differentiate herself from the rest of the town like she listens to this genre like this is her music but not only is she listening to it and not only is it in the film's soundtrack it's in the like bar, isn't it? It, yeah it's in the fucking bar and this bar is like it this is a small town bar all the seats and aesthetic are just like wooden this is basically like a country bar like this you'd imagine a place like this playing like rock some sort of rock music maybe maybe country but this place is playing mm -hmm. synthwave too and it's like okay well that kind of ruins the exact goal that you said you had for the character in this interview that you're giving on Red Letter Media's channel, you said that you, she's supposed to be differentiated from the rest of her environment by the music, and yet the entire rest of the film, including other physical locations in the film, play the same music. It's all the same. It's just like, it's so yeah. annoying. Yeah, I noticed that specifically. This is what I mean about the the way the 80s stuff is incorporated it doesn't seem to have much place within this story really it's just it's just there mm -hmm. to yeah. be an homage and isn't this cool to build its own yeah it came out at the right time before mm -hmm. people realized just how many people were doing this shtick before it became right. so obvious that it was a huge cliche in the 2010s to do homage 80s synthwave soundtrack it came out just before yeah, people Stranger were Things becoming aware of it stranger things was after i think i don't know Yes, that was 2016. So yeah, it was this whole period of just everything going yeah. for this kind of. They got it out quick sounds. enough before Stranger people Things noticed. Is much better too. Like that's oh, yeah. really impressive. <laughs> like really well done storytelling and that really original. All the acting is great in that. Like the characters are really fleshed out. Well, mm -hmm. they're original characters that have their mm -hmm. own kind of interesting arcs. There's yeah. really none of that here. I don't care about this yeah. main family beyond exactly. just the the over the top. It's a, it's nature a short of film. Violence. Mm -hmm. That you have three seasons of television. Here it's all pretty quick. And I, I just wish that, like, that's the biggest thing for me. I just wish the characters were better. 
I just wish they I actually yeah. like cared about them. Like the the son character just he was so stupid. He was so he was annoying. So dumb. He was <laughs> an so idiot. annoying and dumb the whole time. And I just wish he wasn't. Like that could have been such a great dynamic. I don't feel like his character was fleshed out at all. Because, like, at the uh-huh. beginning of the movie, he looks he looks like he might just be, like, one of those, like, kind of, like, I don't know, like, weird autistic kids or something. And he just, like, doesn't <laughs> have any friends. He's, like, antisocial bullies. or whatever. Oh, yeah, he's thrown into a, <laughs> but a it locker. But it never touches on, like, him being, like, a nerd or a smart character. He looks like just kind of, like, you know, like, maybe skips class and just, like, does his own thing sort of kid. Um, but then at the end of the movie, they're, like you're good with computers, right? It's like, oh, well, that wasn't really established. Like, I thought he was having, like, difficulty with his homework that he needed help earlier in the film. Like, that doesn't seem like the same. It yeah, just that seems... reminds me of Jurassic Park. Yeah, like... <laughs> it's a Unix system. Yeah. Yeah, all of a sudden, he's like a computer whiz, I guess. Yeah, the thing that distracted me about that guy is just how much he looks like Chloe Grace Moretz. It's, oh really? It's, it's oh, that's funny! Oh, now that you pointed out, it's really? so obvious. Dude, yeah, the I, eyes, I was like thinking Googling of the guy from Stranger yeah. Things. Google's face. The, yeah, it's, okay. it's weird. I can see it right now. I was thinking of I'm uh, not even googling the, 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 face. the guy from Stranger Things. Whatever his name is, <laughs> Jenny's brother, older Someone brother. on the Reddit will do a side by side. Trust me, it's really distracting. Okay. I just like. Are you allowed to just get away with the film being stupid by calling it an homage? Are you allowed to just get away yeah. with that? Loads of films do it. Like the, what was that one? Was it called like Turbo Kid or something? Yeah, that Turbo was fully Kid. embracing the kind of eighties silliness. Like mm-hmm. it's just yeah, not that, that unique okay. of a concept, you know. Mm-hmm. I just didn't buy any of the characters or their motivations or anything. It also just seemed so fucking artificial and fake. Every single moment of this film, I couldn't get into anything that was going on. Like I don't, I I didn't buy that she would invite him to the party. I found it stupid that the little boy was, like, covering up actual fucking murders for him. Like, there's just so much about this, like... <laughs> uh, man, there was, like, that, that attempted cool shot at the fucking party where they're following around the dude in a fucking furry outfit or whatever. And it's, like, maybe, like, less than 10 seconds of this, like, follow shot. But it's, like, oh, man, something almost cool happened. If it was just longer, if, you know? If it was right. more like a... It's, like half a percent of like the long shot from magnolia basically but it's just like mm-hmm. so short that it didn't really do anything yeah how did you feel about the exposition in the movie like the way they trickle the reveal of um the main character the guest and the, there's a scene early on where they kind of show the the military guys in the, in the boardroom coming together yeah, and I yeah. felt like it kind of it really robs a lot of the mystery or surprise away from yeah. the movie because it kind of implies what the the secret is yeah i'd say mm-hmm. i think it'd be much more effective if it kind of stayed on the family and the characters and didn't leave that until the end so then when the, the military kind of did show up it added like an, an extra sense of tension to it if you didn't really know what was going on so explicitly i did like how they didn't feel the need to fully over explain it but then in the same sense they kind of ruin that mystery by just saying like yeah we're like experiments gone wrong or whatever it it was handled so sloppily yeah. it was just it felt uh-huh. so yeah, i just feel like there's a way you could reveal a character and and tell this kind of story in a really satisfying way like the i keep bringing up edgar wright but in hot fuzz like the part of the story like spoilers if you haven't seen it is like the the town is not what it seems to be like in the same way that the guest is not what he seems to be, mm-hmm. but the way that like works itself into the story and, and just the intricately pacing of it woven and the way it affects the characters. 
Yeah, and then when you rewatch the movie, you pick up so many yeah. secrets and details and foreshadowing. There's so much depth to it. So and many there callbacks. Really is none of that here. Just adds exactly, to the humor, yeah. adds to the experience. In this film, mm-hmm. it's just like I'm just I'm it just, just annoyed no at every turn. Like, can you you can't yeah, honestly just call up the fucking military and ask for information on a soldier? You can't do that. They wouldn't even get to the point where they're searching. <laughs> they would say, "Excuse me." This is classified right. information. You're not just allowed to ask about somebody and like get their information. They wouldn't even get to the point where they were searching. <laughs> yeah. The parents just play oblivious to the whole situation. I guess that's a reference to the 80s, but it just makes no sense in this context when like people are getting killed. Like the, the guy's boss gets killed yeah. at some point. The dad. Ah, turns and out he, there's like, a comes serial killer like, in town. Hmm. Yeah. He's like, oh, but I get a promotion. It's like, like, is this supposed to be a comedy scene? Or I is guess. It's just, just like the, the accidents in right. Hot Fuzz. Where it's uh-huh. just about like people misinterpreting accidents, yeah. Mm-hmm. Except it's very unclear. He comes home and he's like seriously depressed. He's like going for a drink. <laughs> it's like, what the hell's going on? Yeah, it's not played for like a laugh. Is, it it so. might be. It might be because I have no. <laughs> I fucking, think it like, is. You ask the writer and director, and it's just like, yeah. I, I don't know what's supposed to be funny in this movie. What is and what isn't? It like there are parts that are funny because they're bad to me. I don't know how they feel <laughs> about. The movie. I'm just like so disconnected from their experience. It's insane. Yeah, but I just don't believe these characters that they wouldn't piece this together or that they yeah. wouldn't believe their kids or do anything about this. It's just mm-hmm. she runs back in the house when like the police come and start shooting at Dan Stevens instead of like running away, like in a field. Yeah, she you know? sides with him immediately. Yeah, she yeah. sides with him. What was the fucking budget for that Halloween setup at the school? This is a high school. <laughs> this was like a professional. Like carnival Halloween thing. Also, there would be fucking side exits. You can't honestly design something, especially for a high school, where you have to go through a fucking maze to get to from one place to another, and there's no other way to go through. That's a massive fire hazard. And then a fire does happen. Everybody's fucking stupid. This doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Everybody's a moron. Yeah, no, I agree. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, as I say, I'm, I kind of feel like I'm letting down the... Uh... The fans a little bit because the whole reason they wanted this discussion to happen was because we're supposed to have different opinions, but we're all kind of down on the wow. same line. I hate it more. Kind of down. It's my opinion. Sure. Yeah, you do hate it more because I, I think it's not like I love is, this film though. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like when it when a film is so like mediocre like this, it is hard to defend yeah. it. <laughs> you know, if you just have no passion for yeah, it at all. I yeah, because like I'm, I I mean like even the people that love it. I don't think that there's much coming from like that discussion other than just like the emotional experience behind it. Like when I'm watching Jay from Red Letter Media, bless his soul, Mm. he's basically just saying the entire time like, yeah, this was awesome. This was cool. Like he definitely got an emotional experience (laughs) out of it. And that's a perfectly valid reason to love a movie. And I'm not trying to imply that his reasons for liking it are not valid. I just think that like in terms of like an emotional experience because i'm not connected to it at all i don't really have much that i can't appreciate about this film like really at all it, like I, i'm the most <laughs> most of what i'm supposed to get out of it is just feeling that was cool or that was fun or i like this or i like that but i don't and so when i don't and it's impossible for me to what do i have that's how it feels yeah if it doesn't remind you of that thing you love then there isn't really that much for you to love about it Mm-hmm. And if you haven't seen those things, it's kind of just a ripoff of those other movies. Yeah. It doesn't offer anything new. You're just getting that same experience. You know, yeah. it's better. You're better off watching Terminator or something. Yeah, I'd rather watch something more genuine mm-hmm. with the same font. Watch the thing. 
Yeah. That's the same font. Or is it Halloween? Well, yeah, or any of the All countless movies. other examples of <laughs> movies going for the same thing uh-huh. that, that do it a lot better. You yeah. have a lot of choice at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Adam Wingard, everybody. He's uh, mm-hmm. he's oh, doing do a know remake. What he's doing of, next? He's do, well, he's doing Godzilla vs. Kong, I guess. He's also doing oh, an American remake, <laughs> because Death Note went so well, of uh, I Saw the Devil, yeah. a South Korean film that I really enjoyed. It was on my 2010 list, no I believe. Yeah, he's no, doing a yes, remake of awesome. I that's Saw a, the Devil, you know? That's such an excellent it's, movie. Uh, an oh awesome film. God. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. I'm sure he'll handle Weird it choice. so well. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Adam Wingard remake of Parasite. Coming soon. You, you know, we haven't even mentioned the Blair Witch remake that he did. I'm sure everybody fucking forgot about that in a heartbeat. Oh, shit. Exactly, oh my God. Exactly, right? Yeah. Nobody I even mean, remembers I that exists. Remember that. Yeah. God. He really yeah, hyped that, that up, too, before it came out. Yeah. That was bullshit. Was no. that where they were wearing all like little cameras on their heads and shit? Mm-hmm. It was all like POV. I couldn't go pro. I've I repressed <laughs> that right, from yeah. my memory in the same way GoPro I did. GoPro presents the, the, the Blair Witch. Couldn't tell you mm-hmm. anything about the movie. I see. I rated it a one on IMDb. That's all I know about it. <laughs> but I definitely but watched it. The point it. of the first Blair Witch is people thought it was real. It doesn't work anymore. Yeah, it was just a remake people... without the scary things from Blair Witch. Yeah. In it. Yeah. <laughs> but like the content of the movie was like irrelevant to the fact that people thought it was real. Yeah, <laughs> like that's yeah. why people saw it. <laughs> How did they miss the point of the movie? Yeah, it's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, I mean the Blair Witch uh, video game actually wasn't that bad. I actually kind of enjoyed the video that. Game. Yeah, I heard. Did that. you see the sequel? Though the Blair, Blair Witch, Witch 2? Two, yeah, that was bad. Yeah. I remember oh. renting that from the video <laughs> store like when I was like or anything. Yeah. 13, 14, just having no idea about how bad sequels can be, and then yep, it was a bad movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was pretty pretty bad. My uh, my naivete back then. The guest. <laughs> you want to rate it? Do we have anything else to say about this? Uh, not really. To hate, be honest, hate to be down on it. Yeah. Um, Adam Winger is a hack. I don't think he's made a single good film. <laughs> <That's> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. I mean, I was I was never that hyped on um, your next. Thought it was just I fine. wasn't either. Um, so I'm glad we agree on that. Yeah, and then Blair Witch is awful. Death Note is awful. I think honestly, The Guest is probably his best movie. <laughs> it is. Seems definitely. to be the general consensus. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> none of us are that enthused by it. So I mean, there you go, everybody. That's the yeah. discussion on the guest. Yeah. yeah. You, know, you wanted to hear me angry. You got it. <laughs> What's your rating, sorry? Uh, well, so I don't remember what I rated it the first. I think I maybe gave it a five just from the half watch on the airplane. Then I think I changed it to like a three or a two. Um, and then I watched mm. it the third time. And I was like, well, <laughs> it's worse this time. So I gave it a one. And then everybody on the sub, both subreddits got really mad at me. And then I watched the interview with Red Letter Media and understood that even the writer and director, I guess, don't take this movie as seriously as I was interpreting from the film itself and its constant fucking mm-hmm. look how cool mm-hmm. this is vibe. And so I was like, <laughs> okay, well, if you don't even think it's like super great or like i i don't even know what they think of the movie honestly but i actually i i was able to raise my rating a bit just knowing that apparently some parts are supposed to be funny or that they think it's funny anyway and so i was like okay three out of ten not for me um that's the highest i could give it okay 
This was right <laughs> down the middle for me. Uh, I, I give this two and a half stars. I, I think it doesn't really have its own voice, much of a unique take on, on anything. You can find this <laughs> this type of story just anywhere at this point. You have so much to choose from. I could go to my grave without ever seeing this movie again, quite happily. This is a fun action movie. Check it out on Netflix. I give it six out of ten. Oh, is it on Netflix? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I bought it. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Did you listen to the you did you buy like a physical copy? Uh no, I bought it on iTunes. I really yeah. did want to listen to a, a director's commentary. I would love to listen to no a director's commentary. There. But yeah, now yeah. I don't know if I want to cuz it wouldn't like we've done the conversations. Do I really want yeah, to sit no through that now. the movie again? <laughs> yeah. Like fuck. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> sorry if I annoyed anybody listening. I get a little heated sometimes. Thanks for the recommendation. Thanks, Alex. <laughs> oh, I'm no glad worries, I, guys. I'm so, glad you so, enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. So with new new eyes now. There was a uh, thread on the Sardonicast subreddit um, a week or so ago, and it was like, "What is everybody's favorite and least favorite episodes?" And there was one user where yeah. like they listed several least favorite episodes, and all of them were just the ones where I hated a movie more than than both of you. <laughs> like, they just oh, did really? not like... Yeah. Uh, he's, not gonna, he's not gonna like this one, then. Yeah, exactly. Uh, sorry, sorry to add another one to your list. Sorry, man. Uh, You'll be alright. I'm sure some uh, people like listening to us argue, though, but... Yeah, listen next time. I think it's a Maybe fun the next episode will be better. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Alright. <laughs> question time? Okay, let's do some questions from the Sardonicast subreddit. If you want to leave your own questions for us to answer in future, head over there. To the suggestion thread and ask us whatever you like. Let's start with this one from HR6 UNRF Nian. What is the most boring film you've ever watched? Not necessarily the worst movie, but the one you were the least invested in. Boring. Hmm. On the show, Gene Dealman. <laughs> oh. Oh, really? On the wow. show, like, yeah, I, 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 I don't, I'm not even mad at you for saying that. Because it's like <laughs> trying to be boring in a way. But I got a lot out uh -huh. of it from a second watch. Like, I don't even think that's boring anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Are we talking about films we've seen for this? Because I guess, I guess it would be that by default. But Well, yeah. I, I Films I've seen for this probably, I, I don't know. I couldn't tell you. I, I've got an answer for one that's sticking out in my Star head. Prequels? Oh, the Star you Wars prequels. watching the Star Wars prequels. I mean, that experience was a bit better because I watched it with described audio for the visually impaired. But, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, if I had watched those normally, then yes, that would be my answer. <laughs> um, there's a film sticking out to me right now uh, called Cemetery of Splendor by acclaimed Thai, I think, director. Uh, a Pichapong with Sith Kroll. A uh, very it's mouthful of a name. Uh, he won the Palm Door with Uncle Boon Me, which I also found a bit boring, but it had some redeeming elements. This was unbelievably slow with no redeeming elements, and I could not stand it. A lot of people love this director. Uh, I'm just not, not into it. Mm -hmm. I found it yeah. was just, it's so unnecessarily slow, and I don't get much out of it. Yeah, as far as things that I that I didn't watch on Sardonicast because I wouldn't torture you guys with it, but <laughs> Cars Life Two was was pretty tough to get through. God, wasn't it? <laughs> Cars Life Two. Yeah, there's a lot of boring movies. I yeah, don't know. Bride Wars. Like you could, I could make a whole list of them. The past ten years, the most boring movie I've seen, I believe, would have to go to Murder on the Orient Express by Kenneth oh, Branagh. 
Yeah, I was in the States and that was playing in theaters and I, you know, just wanted to see something in theaters and that was there. So the plus side is uh, American theaters. Some of these chains have like fucking like reclining lazy boy. They have like beds basically in these theaters. It's, yeah, it's oh, nice. Yeah, it's, that sounds good. Press America is like the consumerist nice wet dream. You can buy the most anything. Comfortable yeah. place. <laughs> it's absolutely <laughs> insane. So that was nice. But the movie itself was just like the most boring thing I've ever seen, really. Yeah. Who, yeah, who's who's uh, it's the director of uh, Murder Artemis on the Fowl. Orient Express movie, yeah, oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, working with Disney, yeah, he's in Dunkirk, yeah, I like yeah. his Dunkirk. Stuff, he's in but... it, <laughs> yeah, that was 10 20 years ago, right? <laughs> he might Hamlet. pick it up like, again. How long ago did he direct? Hamlet? I don't know, we'll see what he does, yeah. but man, that movie was boring. Direct another Thor movie, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, what a weird guy. There's a, there's a, a Thor and Natalie Portman movie coming out. Direct that. All right. Those okay. are my two answers, I guess. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave it there. Barry Benson's side chick has one for us. Which celebrity deaths, if any, have personally impacted you the most? Edit, rest in power, Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, so of course. Chadwick Boseman made the... Yeah, yeah he was a very shocking. talented, respected actor. Obviously, a mm-hmm. lot of people loved his work. Yeah, so it's very sad news. And cancer, too. So yeah. he was very young. So young. He hit yeah. it for like four yeah. years and was still performing roles, which wow. is pretty yeah. f- insane, pretty legendary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. He was in Defy Bloods, wasn't he? Yeah, he was good in that. You got to respect his, uh, I guess, wishes to not have made this like a, a news story back when he was still making films. Like that was just for his family only, really. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. It sucks that he couldn't beat it. Cancer's a bitch. Yeah, well, that obviously. One, yeah, yeah it sucks. I've had I've had family members lost to cancer, obviously. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, I can't even imagine what his family's going through. But yeah, he he did a lot of good work. Yeah. While he was here, so only forty four. Or wait, it said forty three here on IMDb. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, it's awful. Pretty young. That sucks. Th- this is obviously a really um like a big news thing. In terms of like ones that have personally impacted me more, uh, I guess uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's up there. And also um, Brittany Murphy, which is a weird thing to say. I know like she died really young um, and it's not like I I guess people's lives aren't necessarily valued just by like how skilled they are. Um, I always thought she was great. But when she died, it was like this weird point for me where like she was performing this type of role that has not been filled since you know she had it she had a very specific type of role that she played and she was so great at it and she was always kind of there and now it feels like something's missing from a lot of movies and i also feel kind of the same way about uh, michael clark duncan when he died is like he did he did that thing and now movies don't have that thing in them anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's like this one person's death, this one person's contributions are no longer in the overall the overall part of filmmaking in general that we see. It's like they yeah, were adding to, to films mm-hmm. in general. It wasn't just individual roles. Yeah. So it's a loss. Yeah. For me, it would be uh, David Bowie. Oh, he's, yeah. yeah. He's obviously more of a musician, but... It was just just a you know personal thing, I guess. It's just the first time I really twigged like, oh, 
these people I've like always enjoyed their stuff but they're not going to be around forever and the way he went out with that that album about his death I thought was like such yeah. a statement that I haven't really experienced before it's, it's such a harrowing album to listen to now mm-hmm. Black Star mm-hmm. yeah. you got any Ralph? Uh, the the Lincoln Park singer, oh. Chester Bennington. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I just want to make sure I said his name correctly. Yeah, him. Yeah, that one was sad. Yeah, that was rough. He was in Saw Some Seven. Soul, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, a guy, an iconic role. Crank. Yeah. I think more people knew him from Lincoln Park. Uh, what? Yeah, those are those are very good roles. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I, I listened to a lot of Lincoln Park yeah. when I was younger, and I always find it very interesting that like there are artists like Lincoln Park or My Chemical Romance or any number of emotional yet rock artists that when they're popular they get made fun of a lot, and people experience these kinds of emotions from them and kind of get. Um, ridiculed for doing so in a way like Linkin Park and MCR uh, and I'm sure there's other examples that I'm not thinking of right now like they kind of became memes in a way and I think that's very interesting and it seems to be particularly with um, uh, male uh, singers that talk about really emotional things and it's like okay you're supposed to feel bad sort of thing and I think it's weird because like I, I guess like in general society I guess a way of compartmentalizing or uh, processing these kinds of negative emotions is to kind of turn them into jokes and kind of ridicule them in a way and it seems like this just tends to happen with these types of artists and then enough time passes um, whether their death is relevant to this or not enough time passes where people are like okay yeah this was an important part of my childhood this is emotional music and it's like okay to like it again like mcr is is something that like you know they stood the test of time like people understand that mm. these albums are so valuable even though they are portraying sadder negative emotions like it's you know in retrospect there's not as many people making fun of these kinds of things i guess yeah like Lincoln park's yeah, a good point. lyrics are still a meme i guess crawling in my skin sort of thing but mm-hmm. i think that's just a way of like you know, people processing these types of emotions or society as a whole, like you kind of have to make a joke out of these sorts of things as like a self-defense mechanism almost to like these emotions that mm-hmm. you might not want to experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great point. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Yeah. Next question. Mobile Association 8 has one for us. One of the most asked questions in this uh, question thread. The new version of Batman with Robert Pattinson came out with a teaser what do you guys think of the footage and how the story might go so far? Did you oh, guys see this? Yeah, I did. Looks how fine. How are you feeling? <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, as far as these upcoming DC projects, I mean, it's the one I'm most interested in. I think tonally it looks interesting and serious in a in a more suitable way, not Zack Snyder serious. It seemed. I saw a good kind of description saying it kind of looks like Seven with Batman in it. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of that kind of tone. I'm not sure why I was so shit-faced when I watched it. I don't often get (laughs) shit-faced drunk, but I pulled it up on my phone, and it was like right before going to bed. I was about to get like a massive hangover the next day, I guess. Um, And I watched it, and despite only having seen it then, I still retained 
a good amount. Like it, it was it was visceral enough, it was impactful enough that I'm like, okay, yeah, like I I I'm thinking of these conscious artistic choices in that trailer that I really liked. Um the question is whether or not that's just really great trailer editing or or if it's going to be a great film because the trailer is so good. Because when I looked at that trailer and I look at the artistic choices in that, I'm thinking like, I love the duct tape sounds at the beginning and the the title um, moving closer and like kind of jumping in unison to these these like duct tape like <laughs> sounds. Yeah, I thought that yeah. that was super cool. That was a great way to open up the trailer. I love how much they showed of that one, um, I guess, beating up shot where it's like... Mm-hmm. Okay, this yeah, is a brutal. single shot here. There's so many hits. None of the hits look super fake or anything. Like it's very well choreographed in that shot. Yeah. Um the the hits feel real and they feel like kind of brutal. Um and it goes on for longer than you would expect ex- especially in a trailer. So, yeah, there's some there's some good-looking things in it and I'm surprised to say that, honestly. I think the cast looks really good too. Isn't it Paul Dano who's going to play the Riddler or something? Like, yeah, that seems like good casting to me. You got Doug Walker. <laughs> Colin Farrell is, that guy is does the look penguin. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the Joker guy. Oh, yeah. Colin no, Farrell's right, the penguin. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see. We'll see about that. The, is the Batman. Trailer? I don't think so. Is that what it's called? <laughs> the Batman. The Batman. <laughs> Oh. We're getting we're getting the Batman and the Suicide Squad. <laughs> uh, so so what are we? Some kind of oh the God. Suicide Squad? Yeah. Uh, please. No, I was surprised by how many people are making fun of uh, Robert Pattinson. I guess I guess most people still associate him with Twilight. Yep. Like the general public probably does. That's the only like huge movie that he starred in, and the rest that he's been acting in have True. been these smaller like borderline indie films right like good time was awesome but not a lot of people saw that so when you're going for like Mm -hmm. the general public and he's thrust back into this like multi-million dollar the batman there's going to be a lot of fucking idiots on twitter that didn't even know that he was in anything since twilight and that's all they're (laughs) going to associate with him with because they don't know that he's been acting in other movies and doing a fantastic job since yeah well he's also in tenet coming up so yeah yeah now i guess yeah now I mean, yeah, look at his fucking IMDb page. Known for Twilight, Twilight, and Remember Me and Twilight. It's like those are the first four that... Oh, my God. (laughs) We can. (laughs) Remember Me was also shit. But yeah, same generation of just like shit, bullshit, romance, god-awful nonsense. But yeah, I've never had really a bad thing to say about Robert Pattinson, probably because I've never seen the Twilight movies or Remember Me. He's always been great, in my opinion. I think he's kind of funny in the Twilight movies. I, I watched them all for I can't the first wait time to see them. last year. It, it, yeah, <laughs> I'd actually recommend it. It's pretty funny. Yeah. It's, it's I'm debating fun doing them for like a commentary thing, actually. I, I, I think it would be worth it, especially yeah? for that last Great movie. Great to hear. Yeah, yeah. He might be the best actor in those. I mean, it's hard to say. Like, you're judging yeah. like, the really yeah. bad dialogue and everything, but I think he was probably the best one. When you don't have that much to work with. Yeah, it's hard to stand out when you don't have much to work with. Yeah. When you're a sparkling vampire. Yeah. And he's like on the commentary track, just like turning oh, really? into the movie. His <laughs> yeah, relationship that's awesome. is very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. In the, uh, a lot of interviews that I've seen, um, him and Kristen Stewart were just kind of like, yeah, these movies aren't good, but <laughs> like yeah. that seemed to be their general the bank so happy thoughts about it, on the movie. Yeah. They kind of like memed it a bit. Yeah. They're kind of like the prequels for a different group of people. Yeah. 
They remind me of a more innocent time. I actually miss the Twilight yeah. movies. I yeah. Think better than like yeah, the Fifty Shades simple. movies or like, you know, whatever we have now. Out After the controversy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just Twilight came out. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Porn for Women, the movie. Yeah. Mm. There you go. Fake <laughs> Jose Titties has an interesting one. A very important question for Adam. How's your brother's bar doing since the pandemic? Anyway, any way we can help support his business. So my brother works in the same kind of industry, so I'm wondering how it's affected his business. Uh, well, thank you for asking. Um, so I actually, I never go on Facebook, but I happened to be on Facebook a couple nights ago, and I noticed a post from my brother's uh, business, The Diving Bell Social Club on Facebook. That seems to be where they're updating the most. And uh, apparently they're reopening with social distancing and masks and stuff starting on September 12th. So I was kind of surprised to see that because I talked to him about that, like, I don't know, however many months ago. He seemed like he was worried that he might have to, like, shut it down or something. But, uh, yeah. Really? So even though it's like a venue kind of place, I'm just reading this right here on their Facebook. Um, Audience capacity will be limited to 45 people. Audience members will be seated at a small, at small, appropriately distanced tables during events. Fourteen tables total. Uh, tickets will be pre-sold online, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Face covering is mandatory. So yeah, looks good. I think in the meantime, um, they were doing some sort of like live streaming fundraiser stuff here and there near the beginning of like all the shutdown stuff. But I mean, technically, it's still alive. So hopefully, hopefully things go well. Yeah, if you want to support the business, you live in Montreal, then. Uh, Hop on by. Follow the Facebook page. Mm. <laughs> Thanks for asking. Yeah. yeah, it's just fucked over so many people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Matt Smith Reddit says, Do you think critics have a responsibility over the emotional well-being of the people they criticize? <laughs> How do you feel about this one, then? Emotional well-being... How are you supposed to know like, how much they could take of the criticism? Yeah, it depends on the person. Uh, try your best not to punch down, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, the the day that, that Derek Savage sends me a message saying, please do not cover my content anymore, I'll fucking stop. Not even kidding. Like, <laughs> I'm I'm not interested in making people feel bad. But, like, the the general, you know, like, last, uh, last time he mentioned me, he was saying, hey, thanks for covering my <laughs> 420 Awards thing. It got a lot more views. So <laughs> I feel like right now I'm kind of keeping his business alive. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, you know, try to be there. There's been some comments I've made in the past where like, even though they are like Hollywood actors or stuff, like um, a few years ago, there was like a review where like, um, you know, as I was criticizing the movie, I was like, yeah, you got a stupid face or like I criticized the actor's looks or something. And I look back on that, even though I haven't really gotten criticism over that, I personally look back on that. I'm thinking like, yeah, I'm probably not going to do that. You know, like that's probably like, I don't yeah. feel good about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm in the exact same boat. I feel like if you put yourself out there, you're just subject to criticism, mm-hmm. like anyone. I don't think anything's sacred in that way. Yeah, yeah for me, um, I think when you're reviewing a product, it's it's kind of fair game. And it, yeah, if it's going to like personal insults, it can it can go too far sometimes. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is a difficult balance because part of the fun is just the the over the top kind of hyperbolic way. It's we, comedy. We talk about it. Yeah, I think we're yeah, but there is a difference between. Too. 
actually just like attacking mm-hmm. someone. If I don't make these about things, do I don't it. make reviews for them to be seen by the people who are like in the movie or mm-hmm. who worked on the movie. But now like, it's difficult I always make not them to. For like a separate audience. Yeah, I guess it is difficult not to. Yeah, when but that's a, how I've always made audience. them. Yeah, that's the, it's yeah, just that's, like that's I, I just feel it. like maybe they just shouldn't watch my criticism if they can't like mm-hmm. handle it, <laughs> which is fine. I mean, yeah, that that that's something that I've had to come to terms with. Just as my audience grows and I have more of a presence online, and I am influencing not just sales but like public perception to some degree uh, within my right. audience of mm-hmm. of films. And filmmakers so i i try at this point especially to be fair i try to be fair and like my most recent thing that i did was about that whole kimba fiasco and i made sure to say like several times in that review like okay like you have to understand the difference between uh ignorance and malicious intent if you don't know whether or not it's ignorance or malicious intent you should probably assume ignorance so don't don't harass these people being like oh you you intentionally lied about the controversy. Like, you don't know that. None of us know that. They yeah. could just be an idiot. Everybody's a fucking idiot. This controversy has existed for like 25 fucking years and everybody believed it. So you're all stupid too, right? Um, so just try to, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, try try to do things in a way that's not going to make someone's day worse. But at the same time, I mean, you have to, there, there's a certain level when you're criticizing where you have to accept like, okay, I have to be able to criticize this part because it's absolutely integral to the criticism itself. So like this part might sound mean, but there's no way around it. Like I have to mention this sort of thing. So you have to pick your battles and decide, decide what to cover and how to cover it, how to phrase it, especially. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Phrasing is a big thing. It took me a long time, many years to figure out like, the most uh, effective way to phrase things without just annoying 50% of people just by the way you phrase it. That is yeah. a huge part of it. Yeah. It's the way you use language. Is and know huge. exactly what you mean. Because sometimes it's like people will take issues even though they don't really disagree with you, but just because of how you said it. Yeah. And sometimes it's not saying things or saying something too yeah. much. Like it, it is difficult. And how do you guys feel about... Because I don't really think you have a responsibility over the emotional well-being of the people you criticize, really. But... I think there is some kind of responsibility that that comes with audiences that are of a certain size and above. That there is something to it. On one hand, you, you like your your fans and what they do is nothing to you're you're not you're not responsible for the things they do. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the things you say may be influencing them in some way. So I guess that does give it some inherent power so if you're abusing it and being a dickhead that's just a bad example to set i mean like you Mm -hmm. you your audience is like an extension of you to some degree and like the type Mm -hmm. of attitude that you put out there can be reflected in your audience to some degree like nobody has an audience that is perfect nobody has an audience that is 100 percent socially well-adjusted people that aren't just complete dicks you know um there's going Mm -hmm. to be those in every audience but it's important to try and make sure that you're not cultivating an audience of exclusively those types of people. Um, and yeah. that, mm-hmm. that can be reflected in, I guess, the content that you make or your attitude, I guess, your outlook and how clearly, I guess, you make that. Right. Or something with the sole purpose of just going after someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes it can be tricky, which is like, yeah, mm-hmm. like I, I never, that, that's why I tried to be so careful with my Kimba thing is because, you know, I expected it to be, 
something where people were <laughs> arguing about it on the internet afterwards. Right? Yeah, you know, eyes are going to be on it. Yeah, it's a big topic, or it has been anyway. So yeah, just uh, my advice is just put some thought into things beforehand. Don't just shit something out without being critical of yourself and without properly thinking about something. Um, and understand that, yeah, to some degree, there's nothing you can do to to a certain extent, but also there are things you can do to prevent these things or at least make them not as bad as they could be. Like if I, you know, if I didn't censor a lot of the names in that video, then that might have added to some of the negative uh, experiences that yeah. they had. And so when I was showing the different YouTube clips... Uh, I would censor out the names of channels that were just individual people, and I would leave up the names of channels that were just companies, where it's like, yeah. there's yeah, no, there's no, this isn't an individual person. This is like a fucking mm -hmm. clickbait company here. So, like, it's, yeah. if people want to leave a negative comment on those, whatever, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah, because those are just point. about making money. You're actually helping them. Because they'll go on the site and like comment something negative, but at least they'll make ad revenue. Those sites, yeah. those companies, they don't care. Yeah, like um, Smosh Ian, who was yeah. pretty upset about my video I made about that was weird. Uh, his movie. Mm -hmm. um, even though I, I said he was like the best thing in the movie, but, but I guess it's just he's so intimately attached to the project, you can't help but have an emotional kind of you know involvement in it. But yeah, he did choose to go on the video. I, I mean, what am I supposed to lie to try and protect? His feelings like it's a product just selling like a movie for people to watch and and pay for and and enjoy but if if i think it's bad like am i not allowed to communicate that with my platform and when you have a channel like that you might only be used to just positive feedback because it's a lot of children watching True. that aren't really thinking critically about what you produce and then you produce like an actual movie and it's like yeah most of the people watching are going to be your child-based audience that would love anything you do, no matter what it is. But you're also kind of throwing it out there on platforms where it is exposed to more people. And if they want it, if other people have a perspective about it and are like, yeah, this is kind of bullshit, they should be allowed to share that perspective. And at the end of the day, if you're making art, it should be for yourself. It shouldn't be for anybody else. If you've made something that you're proud of, Adam Wingard or anybody, if you love the things that you've <laughs> made, it shouldn't matter what I say about them. It shouldn't matter if other people don't connect to the same thing in the same way or had a different experience if it means something to you. And that's the philosophy that, that I've had and I, I'm having with, you know, I'm, my album's being released like in a couple weeks, hopefully. Um, if it doesn't connect with everybody, awesome. it doesn't really matter because I know that I've made something that it connects with me. And there are going to be other people out there that feel the same way about it that I do, but not everybody has to. So... You know, if if other people don't like it, then it doesn't really matter. Like, who are you making right. it for? Yeah, I think we're all pretty much in agreement then that we're not responsible over the, the emotions of those that we talk about to a certain degree. Yeah, somebody tried to blame me from for Adam Winger leaving Twitter, even though all I did, I just posted that, that rant on Death Note, and that's all I did at the time. And I just said he's a trash director and I don't like him. But. Right. What, what I Uncle didn't ben tweet said, at him. Great power comes great responsibility, and it's it's a learning process. You slowly learn how to say yeah. these things, yeah. so so you can cause as minimal damage as possible and and get your point across. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it takes a long time to mm -hmm. <laughs> figure that out. Mm -hmm. Responsibility's cool, but there's more things in life. 
Like getting your dick <laughs> right off fucking night. <laughs> MC Riot, everybody. Well, hot damn. <laughs> what about this one then from Adam Needs a Haircut? Nope. Hey guys. Okay. What- <laughs> Not during COVID. What do you think are overused adjectives in reviews? My example is the word gritty. Whenever something is even slightly dark, they use that word and it drives me nuts. Some bad adjectives gritty. in reviews? Yeah, I, I I would extend it to just in reviews what kind of discussion yeah. and, and phrasing yeah. and words yeah. get on your nerves sort of thing. I don't like overrated and underrated. I don't know if I probably yeah. said that before, but like I just don't like, I, I don't know what metric you're going by. You know, if you're saying yeah. something's underrated. Or yeah, it's difficult. You Sometimes could say Scott Pilgrim's underrated because it, it didn't make its money back in the box office, but it also made like almost $100 million probably like at the end of the day. So I bet plenty of people saw it. Yeah, and then it's like, are you talking about the film's success or its general like reception? Like the people yeah. that yeah. saw it loved it, but not many people saw it sort of thing. Uh-huh. What it means to me, maybe. Like yeah. a film that maybe like a lot of people I know haven't seen. So I would call it underrated. Yeah, I usually get annoyed at that phrasing when I see a post on the movies subreddit of somebody calling mm. a movie underrated that was like a gigantic critical and commercial success. It's like, what are you talking? <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. because you didn't know about this until a week ago doesn't mean it's underrated. What are you talking right. about? They're like watching Transformers movies their yeah. whole life, and they're like, "This, they're like, this is amazing. This is the most underrated the prestige movie. Prestige is so underrated. My dad never mentioned it to me, <laughs> but I don't think like again that term can be used in some context, and I think. As long as you're explaining why it's overrated and like by what metric you're going by, I guess you could use that criticism. There's always exceptions to these kinds of things, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't want to discount like anyone's phrasing or anything. I think everyone has a point of view and a way of saying things. Yeah. I don't want to discourage anyone. I, I used to take beef with the word poignant. Um, not as much anymore. Uh, but I guess mm-hmm. my initial distaste for that word being used in reviews was not so much the word itself but a lot of reviewers essentially just tacking on words like that when it seems like they're just trying to bullshit a review out and they don't really have anything to say about it yeah Mm -hmm. yeah there's lots of like phrases like that like describing something as subversive you know that's that's a meme, the mm-hmm. subverting expectations thing. But yeah. it's like it's, it's it's an integral storytelling aspect. So sometimes you like have to talk about it and you have to use it. But mm-hmm. yeah, the words are, are they're like poison to such a degree where <laughs> you're kind of trapped with some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Pretentious, I think, is one like that. I feel like it's there's a handful of reviewers in traditional media that are treating their reviews like an English assignment where they're basically they're they're poetic in their phrasing but I read through the entire thing and I don't feel like I've they've said much about the film at all like sometimes they'll stick to like describing parts of the movie but they haven't really given me anything extra to chew on in terms of like an interpretation or what exactly they liked about it or disliked about it and it feels like they kind of just like waltzed their way through the review and like <laughs> just just <laughs> I know bullshit this entire thing out yeah. where it's like yeah that's a great english assignment but what i want out of a review is something a bit more i don't know personal or i guess uh what's the word 
Just like some a points. good piece of writing that stands on its own that you want to read. It's like interesting. Like Roger Ebert's reviews have tons of personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very poetic, them. but he yeah. says a lot. He, yeah. at the same time. Yeah, he's. Not I just, just think like that sometimes people movie. are poetic <laughs> at at the expense of actually saying anything substantive about okay. the film, where they like dance around and they aren't as uh, frank or as concise about things in a, a clear way. And this isn't everybody okay. in traditional media. Just like there's. There's some people that clearly went to journalism school and yeah. it just shows in their reviews. And it's like, I, I think that's yeah. part of the reason why YouTube is such a powerful tool for film criticism with younger people is because they're able to connect with it a lot more. Like it's clearer yeah, it's how someone feels about a movie or like you can mm -hmm. show clips of the movie to illustrate what you want to say about it yeah hearing someone's voice and their personality yeah it comes across yeah. as more honest and it's like a different form yeah. of entertainment too it's not just a review mm -hmm. it's like you're creating a a video like you're creating yeah, yeah. art you're being in funny itself you're putting your on a or bit. personality or yeah. style i'm putting on a bit <laughs> yeah <Being> funny <laughs> yeah on top of it yeah, yeah and the barrier yeah. of entry is much lower you know, not everyone can write for empire magazine but anyone can upload a video to youtube and that mm -hmm. just yeah. makes it more relatable you just gotta have a point and be interesting yeah. yeah, get some good production value. Hopefully, yeah. A little yeah, that's bit. not even that's not even important, honestly. Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Film it on a potato. <laughs> yeah, individual words. Uh, not no. Yeah, po I'm 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 okay with poignant now. I've I've grown into the word <laughs> yeah. being acceptable to use. It's grown on you. Um, okay. I uh, if we're talking about video game reviews, if it's compared to Dark Souls, that usually triggers me a little. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, video games is a whole other oh, God. cake. Describing things as immersive in video games, that's quite a go-to one like those other phrases you were saying. I just remembered one that I can't possibly... I, I have to mention this. Uh, what? Comparing films to Jaws or Psycho. That, that <laughs> I remember, yeah, there was a big section yeah. in my Frozen 2010 Ski Lift Horror Movie review where I included a, a big compilation of every time people have compared a horror movie to to jaws or psycho it's just like we'll do that's for right, yeah. grandparents what jaws did to the ocean like that's so lame mm -hmm. everything's just compared to jaws and horror movies and psycho that's my answer i guess i almost forgot about that holy yeah, shit that's a good one and it's still happening i bet there'll be loads it still happens all the oh, time yeah. it doesn't stop you think it's like it's enough of a meme now Maybe just in my audience, I don't know. But it's just irritating when when people keep yeah. saying that. Did you have one, Alex? Subversive expectations and that kind of thing. And like immersive yeah. and saying things like, you know, I was left speechless. Of it. So I've never <laughs> seen it. That, that, you know, that whole Reddit thing like you mentioned where the, these top posts tend to be hyperbolic in ways oh, yeah. that kind of oversell just and over-exaggerate. Yeah. Wow, I just found, yeah, this little indie gem. Uh, and then they just talk about, yeah, some shit like fucking Psycho or Jaws. So what are talking about? This is the greatest thing I've ever found. Yeah, all right. All right, I get it. All right, you want to do one more? Let's end on this one then from Earth Zealous Deal. In my high school, I seem to be the only person who cares about films outside of Marvel. The people I talk to have never even heard of Scorsese, Kubrick, or Fincher. Statistics also show that Gen Z doesn't really go to the movies. Do you worry that cinema is in jeopardy due to a seemingly large majority of people not caring? Oh my god. 
it's not going to make enough money to sustain itself, the film industry. There's so um, few people who care about cinema. Yeah, I guess this is a thing, like, surely this has just been a thing the whole time. Like, there are people that are massively into hobbies, and there are people that, the, the, the vast majority of people who absorb movies, like, they don't, they're not dismantling it in the same way, you know? Like, the, the yeah, crowds exactly. that are going out, and they're like, what's, what's playing tonight? Right. Yeah, more casual, like, uh, and it's, I think it's a similar thing for a lot of, like, entertainment, you know? Mm-hmm. Everyone enjoys music to some degree, but... That doesn't mean everyone appreciates the, you know, the lyrics and the the, the different instruments and the, the mix. You know, every every technical aspect, right. yeah, every technical aspect you go into, yeah. And the experience of watching movies is changing. People like TV series now. They like Netflix movies and and mini series. Yeah, there's there's a whole audience for that. I mean, people don't go to the movies as much. Cinema. Yeah. People are always going to be, to be finding way ways to, to kill time, and movies is one of those things. Yeah. So just because it people aren't as familiar with older directors um and you know more classic cinema doesn't mean that people aren't watching movies like people are going on netflix and being like okay what's something i know this actor let's click on that but that's how it's always been that whether people are doing that at the theaters or at fucking blockbuster like the general population has always just been like completely unaware of who directed a film unless it's a big name like tarantino or christopher nolan sort of thing um, that mm. doesn't necessarily mean the industry is dying. You could make an argument for theaters maybe dying. That's a different conversation. And also, remember, you yeah. just said you're in high yeah. school. So, I mean, like, there might not be that many people, especially at that age, that are as familiar with older directors or as passionate about movies. Some Sometimes it takes a while for people to, you know, explore those things or get more interested yeah, or find that crowd. discover it as a passion, I guess. So... The best thing you can do is try to convince people to check these things out. If you have friends that don't know dick about movies and you have a South Korean film like like Old Boy or or like Parasite that are just so massively universally praised no matter who watches them, fucking invite them over and show them a movie. They might they might start loving mm-hmm. other movies, you know? If you if you're the one to take initiative and introduce them to those things, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think cinema is in jeopardy. I almost think the opposite. I think the the venues in which you can watch movies is getting more diverse because of these streaming wars. They yeah. want content to stream and they want good movies to stream. So we're seeing just some of these incredible originals like Roma or uh, The Irishman, kind of stuff of that caliber is coming out now. It's easier to create and distribute independent films than any other point in history. Mm -hmm. So you have more voices. large franchises too that I think are going to do well, like Marvel, Jurassic Park, that I think will do well in theaters. I mean, that maybe... I don't know the future of cinema in terms of what the theaters are going to happen, like what's going to happen with theaters. Yeah, that's the conversation to me. Yeah. Um... But when they open again, we'll see what happens. We'll see if Tenet does well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, James Bond is at the end of the year. <laughs> Other blockbusters. And we'll see if Got it's even a viable yeah, thing. Yep. If they can make their money back. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Fuck COVID. I know, it's boring now. And fuck Christopher mm-hmm. Nolan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get out of here, Chris. Making me choose between <laughs> getting ill or watching your goddamn movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just waiting. I'm not going to see that. Can I just hold on to it for a little bit, Chris? Yeah, I mean, 
digital distribution is a great thing. I, you know, kids yeah. kids are still watching shit, even if they're not it's as great. well it's versed in what they could now. be watching. I mean, I released my movie on VOD years ago, and now it's like everyone's released a movie on VOD. I'm like, oh, it's like, it feels legitimized. Yeah, <laughs> like it's yeah. it's cool. It's cool to be like on that, like my movie Amazon Prime. It says that. Yeah, thing. So like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> if it's a good feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So good digital. I, I love digital and all that, but still, theaters are. It's a great experience that I don't want to go away. And I'm sure if you mm-hmm. could do it safely, um, then there's no issue. Yeah, I mean, it's just a it's a conversation that constantly happens. You know, like mm-hmm. how many people say, "Yeah, music shit now." And what they actually mean is just like <laughs> right. the radio station is different to what it was when I was a kid when yeah. I liked it. <laughs> yeah, it'd be, you, you, if if you want to find art that you enjoy, whether it's music or cinema, you have to go out of your way to find it. And part of that, you know, you can make it easier by watching a reviewer that you like that gives good recommendations for things that you might not yeah, have heard about otherwise. Wink, wink. Um, so yeah, like that that can make it easier for for you if you don't know how to find these sorts of things otherwise like you know the the tools are there if you love directors uh go to their imdb what do they have in production search those things up do film festivals if you can film festivals are a great way to find new movies mm-hmm. letterboxd hmm. people make lists on there oh yeah <laughs> lists and share it with their friends yeah yeah that's a good way to f- i found some movies from there yeah some well, just delving into sort the, through a bunch the of depths trolls of IMDb, crap, you find some wacky stuff if you go yeah. down. IMDb, <laughs> down that you find route. some, you find some lists. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think cinema's dying. No, no, no. I think it's an ever-changing right thing, and yeah. it'll be very different twenty years from now than it is now. Um, yeah. But like the a big thing is like the film criticism is kind of in the hands of everyone and everyone can talk about movies and recommend movies, make lists and <laughs> whatever. Yeah. It's like in the hands of everyone. I think that's a, din- it's a that's a huge like changing factor that mm-hmm. the audiences are a huge promotional tool. Mm-hmm. More, yeah. more movies should utilize that. They don't really. Yeah. They're not like the, the video game industry, which is kind of a bit more switched on. So like on YouTube, it's just full right. of like, you can do anything you want with like game footage and cut it up and, because mm-hmm. of the transformative stuff, but it's a bit yeah, more video games are changing the... all the time, and no one cares. Like now, this whole yeah. like battle royale system, where you release the games for free and you charge people money in game for points and skins and all that, like that wasn't around five years ago. It's like <laughs> the the world changes so quick in that field. They're so on top of it, and movies just aren't. They aren't as connected with what people want. Mm-hmm. All right, Who, I guess who's recommended a movie to uh, wraps things up? Yeah. We have a film recommendation from me, and I've got a bit of a confession to make. Yeah. So around episode, I think, 60, so a long time ago, because we do this every two weeks, I started <laughs> okay. vigorously uh, writing down in my notes the order in which the recommendations would be. And for for things like uh, uh, Matt Johnson recommending one and and uh, <laughs> things like that, the, the order in which we have them, I've strategically ensured that i would be the one to recommend for episode 69 which is the next episode monkey um <laughs> so, really so it is my recommendation for 69 and i made sure that that would happen. okay um okay <laughs> and uh i don't I, I don't know if you've seen this or not either way i haven't seen it in a while 
and I'd like to revisit it. It's a film called Short Bus. All one word. It is from oh, great. director yeah, John Cameron Mitchell. Content warning. Uh, there are unsimulated sex acts in the film. And if Damn. you play this film and you're... Just don't do it with your door open if you don't want someone thinking you're watching porn. But it is a film. It's like there's pornographic elements in the film. But uh, it is still a, a film. It's a story. It has characters. Wow. They're just... So don't watch it with Nana. What a way to describe it. Yeah, don't don't watch it with your parents. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. And it's neither of you have seen this? So. No, I no, haven't. It's in my okay. watch list, but I'm, I'm ready okay. for this. Yeah, hopefully mm-hmm. it's not too difficult to find. I know it's not like a huge movie. There should only really be one cut. Um, I've got the Blu-ray. And uh, yeah, next next episode, Short Bus, we will have a spoiler discussion on this very pornographically graphic film for episode 69. Awesome. And by um, that point, a uh, new Charlie Kaufman movie will be out. If both mm-hmm. of you want to watch oh, yeah, that awesome. before next episode. Maybe would... Tenet. Yep. Love yeah, to make yeah, sure we talk night. about that as well. Mm-hmm. All right. I was thinking uh, Boogie Nights for 69. But... Yeah, you know what? <laughs> Showgirls I, 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 that was a, Wait, Were you um, thinking of one, Alex, that for 69? for sure. Yeah. I hadn't seen that one yet, and I know I would love it, but I, w- mm-hmm. I also wanted to revisit this, and I assumed that you two haven't seen it, and I thought it would make yeah, for an interesting yeah, discussion. I anyway. haven't seen it. So. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Awesome. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, we should talk about Boogie Nights at some point because that's like one of PTAs. That yeah, I yeah. Seen, but, uh, episode six hundred sixty-nine. Mm. <laughs> episode ninety-six. <laughs> upside down sixty-nine. Yeah. If you want to support the show, sardonicast.com. Sign up for premium, two dollars a month. You'll get these episodes early as they're edited. Also, Patreon.com/sardonicast. Also, we have merch. <laughs> merch link in the description. Thank you so much for listening. I cannot believe yeah. you listened to Sardonicast. I cannot <laughs> believe you listened problem. to the whole episode of Sardonicast. Have a good week. How could you have done this? <laughs> how could you have listened to a whole episode of Sardonicast? Yeah. How many people do you think get to this bit? There must be like a special, it's like... A how many people listen to the whole know. thing you're asking? I'm assuming people listen to most of the podcast. Well, yeah, I'm just Why would saying, you just you shut know, it off be... before it's over? You never know what some people are like. They might have an emergency on their hands. Yeah, yeah every episode? Yeah, you know. It's a crazy world we live in out there. Hmm. All right, thanks for listening everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. So long. Take care. Have a good week. Bye-bye. <laughs>